And amen. Church, do me a favor. Just take both hands and just hold them out in front of you with your fingers spread out like that. Just take, hold them out in front of you. Now count the number of your fingers, okay? That's how many fingers we want you to have tomorrow and the next day. So be careful out there, okay? This is serious stuff. My, my son Jake yesterday, it was awesome. He was walking uh, down our street with a brick of, of, of firecrackers, just a huge roll of them. I mean, it looked like, I, it was like the apocalypse. I'm like, Jake, where are you going with that? He's like, don't worry about it, Dad. I'm like, okay, no, just don't say you're my kid, all right? So anyway, so we are in a summer series, if you're new or maybe you've forgotten, called Jesus is blank. But we don't have to leave it blank because Jesus made seven what we call I am statements. And John, one of his good friends and disciples, recorded it. Like wrote it down. Thank you, John, for putting it down. Otherwise, we wouldn't know. So, so Jesus said, I am like the light of the world. I am the vine. You know, I am. And, and these seven things, and we, we're unpacking them. And every one is so full of insight that we can apply today. To our lives. Many people think, oh, the Bible is so archaic and it doesn't apply. Are you kidding me? It applies to every area of your life if you get in. You just got to get into it. So we'll talk about that. But so the, in John 6, that's where we're going to park today uh, as we get into God's word, is John 6. Now, if you were in the audience in John chapter 6, you would probably fill out this statement by saying Jesus is a miracle worker. Because in John 6, there's some of the most prolific miracles that Jesus ever did. For example, you've heard of the one, even if you're, you didn't grow up in church, I bet you've heard of the one where Jesus takes five loaves and two fish and multiplies it. And he feeds 5,000, but that's just 5,000 men. So that means he fed like 10, 15, maybe up to 20,000 people with a happy meal. That's a big deal. The bigger deal might be how he got them all to sit down in an organized fashion to even eat the meal. Jody and I can't even get our kids to sit at the dinner table. Anyway, so don't matter. So, but Jesus does this miracle, feeds all the thousands. It didn't end there. Later that night, Jesus, he signed up for like a 5K. He's crazy. So, but the 5K was supposed to happen around the Sea of Galilee. Well, Jesus takes the shortcut over on the Sea of Galilee, walking on the water, Okay. There's a reason, I'm just going to say it, there's a reason that Jesus is the Son of God and I'm not, okay? There's a lot of reasons, actually, but I'm telling you, I'm just going to be straight up, if I had that kind of power, I would abuse it, okay? I'm just being honest. I, the whole walking on water thing, I, the, 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 uh, let me just say this, Jesus, Jesus never sinned, but, but Jesus never drove a car, and we think that's one of the reasons he didn't sin is because of Jesus. You, know, uh, you ever drive in traffic? Like if I was the son of God and I'm driving a car and, and say that you're driving slow, here's what I would do. And this is why I'm not the son of God. I'd be like, blow out your tire, done. And you're done, okay? If, if I have to pass you on the right, that's a cardinal sin right there. If, I, if you're in my lane, the left lane, and I have to pass you on the right, blow out your transmission, done. See, it's simple. And if you cut me off in traffic, you cut me off in traffic and then you're in front of me, I just elevate your car up in the air, turn it around, and just set it right back down. Have a good day. You know, that's all I do. Sorry, we just watch Stranger Things. Anyway, so, don't, so it, there, there's a reason I'm not Jesus and never will be. But Jesus had the power to do these miracles. Here's the thing, and I said it last week. Some of you, you're desperate for a miracle in, in an area of your life. I don't need to tell, tell you what it is. You already know what it is. But, but, but the thing is this. The, it, what, what are we really seeking when we're asking for a miracle? 
Are we seeking the miracle that God's going to do for us? God, I need the raise. God, we need the healing. God, we need the, we need, we need the marriage to come back together. God, we need the, the, the child to come home. God, we need, we need, we need, we need the miracle. Are you seeking the miracle or are you seeking the miracle worker? There's a big difference because if you're just seeking the miracle, you'll probably never see it. When you seek the miracle worker, miracles seem to happen as a byproduct. Here's the issue in John 6. The people that he fed with all, with multiplied all those loaves of bread and all that fish, they weren't seeking Jesus. They were seeking the miracle. The people that heard about Jesus skipping across the Sea of Galilee, well, they weren't seeking the miracle. They were seeking what Jesus could do for them. I'll show it to you. In John 6, I'm starting in the 26th verse. I love when you bring your Bible. I love when you get in your mobile app and you underline and highlight. God's word is specifically for you. A love letter, a guide written for you. We'll put it up on the screen as well, but I love when you, I love when you do that. So John 6, 26, Jesus, remember, he, these miracles have just happened. He feeds the thousands. He walks on water. And then he says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understand the miraculous signs, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking eternal life that the Son of Man, that me, Jesus, can provide, can give you. For God the Father has given me his seal of approval. And the, the crowd's like, oh my gosh. They say, we want to perform God's work too. What do we do? And Jesus is like, chill, settle down. All you need to do, the only work that God wants you to do is believe in the one, me, Jesus, believe in the one he has sent. Now understand something. In the context of that word believe right there, if you pull it apart, it's not just believe it from an intellectual point of view. It, it's deeper than that. It, it's, 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 uh, it's believe and, and, and come to. Like yield to. So believing, yes, in your head, but all, how did I write it down? I said uh, a yielding yourself to Jesus to receive him like within. At the end of the service, we're going to celebrate communion, the bread and the drink. And you, as you receive the drink and the bread in, this is how you are to receive Jesus in you. It's, 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 it's bigger than just intellectual. There's a lot of really smart people that believe a lot about Jesus but don't know him. And have a relationship with them. There's a big difference. Verse 30. They answered. They were so insane. Just like we are. Here's what they said. Show us a miraculous sign Jesus. If you want us to believe you. What can you do? And Jesus is like seriously. I just fed like 20,000 people with a happy meal. I, I, I skipped across the, the Jordan River. I mean it was the greatest show on H2O. And you're asking me. What I can do? They're like yep. What can you do? So Jesus answers them. And I love how Jesus says it. Well, first they, first they talk about their ancestors. And they say, for example, Jesus, our ancestors, like back in, they didn't say Old Testament because that wasn't how they talked back then. But in, in their scripture, in the Hebrew scripture, the, their ancestors, while they wandered around in the desert, remember that, before they got into the promised land? They, God fed them manna. God, or, or God fed them manna. But Moses, they said Moses gave them manna. Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat as they journeyed. Now understand something, manna is exactly what he, he said. It was this substance that literally would fall from heaven, fall from the sky. And God would provide that to them. And the, the, we're not even sure what it is because the word manna literally means unknown, like unknown substance. It's the same word they use like for the meat they use at McDonald's. Same thing. We don't, we're not sure what it is, but whatever. So manna, 
false. And they said, Moses gave it to them. And Jesus said, listen to me. I tell you the truth. A lot of people are going to lie to you. I'll tell you the truth. Moses didn't give them bread from heaven. No, no, no. He was a conduit. My father gave it to them. My father gave it to him. And now he offers you, and you, and you watching online. Now he offers you true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they're like, oh my gosh, that sounds so good. Give us that bread every day, Jesus. We want it every day. And Jesus says, it's me. I am the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. The first I am statement that Jesus ever made was this one. Last week, we looked at the last one. Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. That was the seventh statement. This is the first. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And he doesn't stop there. Jesus says, whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. Notice he doesn't just say believe. He says, comes to me and believes in me. Believing is more than just here, right? So anyway, so Jesus continues. But you haven't believed in me, even though you've seen me. You've seen, I fed you. I, I fed thousands. You've seen me. I'm standing right here before you. And you still don't believe. What is faith? Faith is believing when you don't see. They don't even believe when they do see. Jesus says, you don't believe in me, though you've seen me. Verse 37. However, those the Father has given to me will come to me. And I will never reject them. I hope someone just heard that. Maybe you're, maybe you're here today and you're feeling like God has left you. Like God has abandoned you. Or God don't, don't want nothing to do with you. He knows, you know where you were last night. You know what you were doing last week. You know the thoughts that were going on in your head. And the devil wants you to believe God's rejected you. God has left you. God ain't ever going to leave you. He'll never reject you. See, there's nothing that you can do to make him love you less or more. God doesn't reject. But he does want you to come to him. Right? You'll never be thirsty again. You'll never hunger again. Verse 38, for I have come down from heaven. When Jesus made that statement, it was profound. He says that term, come down from heaven, like seven times throughout the whole entire scripture, the chapter. I've come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of the Father. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of those he has given me. But no, no, no. But instead, I will raise them up on the last day. Insane stuff that Jesus is saying. They're Trust me, the crowd is perplexed. They're wondering what he was smoking because it doesn't seem like it's anything. It, it doesn't make sense, and I'll show you that in a second. For it is my Father's will that all who see the Son, all who see his Son, believe in him, should have eternal life. Again, I'll raise them up on the last day. I have come down from heaven. I will raise them up. I have come down from heaven. I will raise them up. I am the bread of life come down from heaven. The people, the people are asking questions. The people aren't understanding. Because the, especially the religious people, you know what they're thinking? This dude is saying he came down from heaven? Who's he think he is, God? God comes down from heaven. God comes from heaven. Not you, Jesus. They understand that Jesus is declaring deity. He is declaring to be something other than a mortal man. And the crowd is bothered. Just listen to what it says in 41. The people began to murmur in disagreement. Like, because of what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I am the bread that came down from heaven? Jesus, you ain't no bread. 
You're a person, Jesus. Not, 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 not bread. By the way, I, uh, I realized something as I put this message together. Father's Day was a few weeks ago, and I didn't share one dad joke. That's wrong. I did you a disservice, and because I have one right now that fits into the message, I'll give it to you. So my family and I are at the zoo the other day, and we see this bagel, in cap- we see this bagel at the zoo, and we, we believe it was bread in captivity. Wow! That went over good. See, a bre- a be- anyway, you know what you're bothered by? The way I said bagel, aren't you? Is that the problem? How do you say it? That's how I'm saying it. Bagel. No? Too South Dakota, too Minnesotan, too North Dakotan? Bagel. You say it again. It sounds exactly the same. I, I'm sorry. It's bagel, and that's what God wanted me to say. So, uh, but that joke sucked. All right, on. So, verse 42. They said, isn't this Jesus the son of Joseph? Like, we know his mom and his dad, Joseph. He's got the carpentry shop down the corner. We know your mom, Mary. She's part of the PTA. Think she's all that. Talking like, one time God spoke to me. One time an angel showed up to me, you know? So, we know Jesus. We know who you are. And you ain't nothing special. Sometimes I lose my spot. <laughs> okay, this is Jesus. So we know your dad, we know your mom. How can he say I've came down from heaven? It doesn't make sense. Jesus, you're from Bethlehem. And right there they should have known. Right there it should have told them. You know what Bethlehem means? House of God's very strategic in everything he does. It was no coincidence that Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, Son of God, was born in Bethlehem. House of bread. I am the bread of life. They're murmuring. They're struggling. They don't understand why Jesus is saying this crazy stuff. And in verse 47, Jesus says it one more time. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, he says it again. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors, they ate manna like you're talking about in the wilderness. But you know what? They're dead. They're dead. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven will never die. Crazy stuff, Jesus is saying. So, John's different than the other Gospels. Like, John, when he starts his Gospel... He doesn't start from the beginning when Jesus like came, you know, in Christmas and Jesus was born in uh, Bethlehem in a manger. No, no, no. He starts way in the beginning. And he says, in the beginning, there was God and there was the Holy Spirit and there was the Word. And he's talking about Jesus. And he said, he said the Word was, was with God. In fact, the Word was God. So John right away in his gospel says, Jesus is the Word. It's so, the, how the Bible comes together is amazing. So, so remember what I said there about Jesus being the word. And now, now I want to take you to where Jesus starts his public ministry. Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist. And you know what happens next? The Holy Spirit leads him to the desert. Where Jesus would not eat or drink for 40 days and 40 nights. So, so and, and of course the devil shows up. And what's the devil do? The devil shows up. He, he grabs some stones, some rocks, and he says, Hey, Jesus, you're kind of hungry, aren't you? How about you use that power of yours and go ahead and turn these stones into bread? By the way, why is always Jesus tempting us with the food thing? You know, is that just us? 
Is it, do you ever struggle? Maybe you got it all figured out. You guys, there's a problem at, at my house, and it's called peanut butter party. And ice cream that my wife brought home like a month ago. She was in co- cohorts with the devil, I think. And she brought this. It was gone in one night. I, you, it, it, it's like the name, the name makes sense. Because when I took a bite, it was like there was a party in my mouth and everybody was invited. It was, it was vanilla ice cream, chocolate, what else? Peanut butter. And then these nuggets of uh, chocolate chunks. It was so good. So, so I eat this ice cream a while back. And now when I go to the store, like I was at Target two days ago, and I'm walking by the ice cream aisle, devil starts speaking to me. Yeah. Monty, hey, peanut butter party. You know? Hey, you want one? Uh, if one is good, two is better. And I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I've given in to the peanut butter party temptation. But other times... Actually, every time I've given in to the peanut butter, uh, every time. It's like there's crack in there. I don't get it, but it, it is unbelievable. So devil's always coming after us with food, comes after Jesus. You know what Jesus said, the word said? He says, no, in Matthew 4, 4, scripture says, this is why you need to know scripture. Jesus is quoting it. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you catch what he just did? I wrote it down. Jesus uses the audible word of God to tell the devil and to tell you and tell me that we must feed on every word of God. See, when you, when you take in the bread, you're taking in the word. You have to be because the bread and the word are connected. You cannot separate them. So, this is, so I, I got kind of intrigued when I read that this week. I wanted to do research to see like where we are at as a nation when it comes to the word of God. So I did research, went to Barna Group. They do a ton of surveys and that kind of thing, reputable company. And I, I researched, like last year, 2021, I researched how many, like, American Christians, like people that profess faith in Christ, are in the Word of God on a regular basis. I was going to have you guess or whatever, but we don't have time. So I'll just tell you. So one out of every six. So 16% of uh, Americans that profess faith are in the Word of God on a regular basis. That means... Three to four times a week or more. And if you're not in that category, I don't feel bad. I wasn't in that category most of my life, trust me. So, but, but it was so intriguing. It's like, but, but here was the kicker. And you might think, gosh, that's dismal news, man. 16%, that kind of sucks. But here's the thing. It's actually a celebration. Because the year before in 2020, it was 12%. So it jumps 4%, which is a huge jump when you're talking about those numbers, in one year. Do you know why? Anybody got to guess why it jumped from 2020 to 2021 that much? COVID. That's why. People having fear. People getting their cage rattled. People all of a sudden living in this, in this world that's like they've never seen before. And they start to get go to the Word and they're looking for hope. And they go to the Word and they're looking for answers. They go to the Word and they're looking for truth. And boom, it goes from 12% to 16%. I wonder if God was like up in heaven. He was like, dang, talking to Gabriel and Michael, the angels. He's like, guys, 12% to 16%, all because of this fear and you know, COVID stuff? You guys think of what I'm thinking? Yeah, that's right. Release the mutant fire-breathing sharks. We're going to bring it to 20%. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know. There's something about calamity. There's something about struggle. There's something about chaos that will either drive people to the word or some, it'll actually maybe even drive them down another road that isn't a good road to go down. There, there's a woman, I got a woman in our church. 
gosh, dang it, you guys, stuff happens, life. I get a call yesterday, and her husband died unexpectedly yesterday morning. 60 years old, heart attack. Unbelievable. So, so here's, here's, what, here's what's great about the story. She calls, and, 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 or I called, she left me a message, I called her back, and she'd already talked to multiple people in her, in her family, the church, specifically her life group. They'd reached out to her, and, and, and it was so comforting. And I'm gonna, I'm, I'll tell you why that's so powerful here in just a second. But, but see, the word of God, see, they're in the word together. They're in a group together, and they comfort each other in the word. And it's so, the, the, if I could encourage you at all with anything today, it is to get you in the word of God. It is to get you into truth on a consistent basis. In fact, in fact, the word of God itself talks about the word. In the word, it says this about the word. 2 Timothy 3.17. God uses the word. Say word. Yeah. God uses the word to what? He uses the word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. If we're not in it, how in the heck do we know what our work is? How do we know what our purpose is? How do we know what we're prepared to do? People will say, I don't, Pastor, I have no idea what my purpose is. Pastor, God is not guiding me. I'm not hearing from God. And I tell them the same thing I always tell them. If you want to hear from God, open his word. Because when you open the word of God, God opens his mouth. That's how he speaks. Ten minutes a day, I'm telling you. Ten, if you read the Bible ten minutes a day, consistently, you'd read the entire Bible in a year. Ten minutes a day for the rest of your days will change your days. It ain't got to take. You can be in it for two hours. I'm not. I can't do it for two hours. I, ten minutes would, would change your life. So anyway, so, and it brings me to the main point, actually, to live a fulfilled life which you want to live. Even if I don't know you, I know that about you. You want to live a fulfilled life. You want your children to live a fulfilled life. You do. If you want a fulfilled life, you need... God's word, can we put, yeah, you need God's word daily. I mean, pastor, come on, daily? Come, well, you just, that study that I talked about by Barna, here's what else they said. 50% of people that pr profess faith aren't in the word at all. So half aren't in the word at all. So on that reality, now you want us to go from nothing to daily? Well, let me ask you a question. Why would you want me to set the bar for anything less? You don't want that. Now, if you can't do it daily, yes, do so something's better than nothing. But I want to set the bar where I believe God wants it because God has something for you. If you want what everybody else has in the world, do what they're doing. But you don't want that. I know you don't want that. The world's jacked up. If you want what few people have, purpose, fulfillment, you need to do what few people are doing. You need to do what one in six people are doing. You need to do what 16% of people are doing. That's how you live purpose. Most people will never live their purpose. Sad to say, but you're not most people. Meadows is not most people. God, word daily. Spiritual nourishment. And if daily throws you off, let me ask you a question. Do you eat daily? Yes. Monty, do you eat peanut butter party daily? Well, maybe. So, but yes, you eat. What if we, what if we ate as much as we read the word of God? The population would be a lot lower, I'm afraid, you know? You know what I'm saying? How much more important is your spiritual life than your physical? Jesus said it himself. Stop focusing on the food. Focus on eternal life. Seek me. 
I, I will feed you forever. I will give you drink forever. It's crazy what Jesus says. I love it. So, so Jesus, by the way, I, I don't, I'm going to start talking more and more about how you can be involved at Meadows. This, what, what's happening on a Sunday morning is not church. I'll keep telling you, this is a huddle. We huddle together. We encourage. We love. We welcome. People get saved. People get prayed for. People get God's word. People get fed. People meet each other. They love each other. It ain't church. See, church happens when you leave here. That's when church begins. That's not the church. You are. You're the church. As soon as you have Christ living in you, you become the bride and body of Christ. And this is so key that you catch this. So, so at, at Meadows, people will ask, what's your discipleship process? And I'll always point them back to groups, 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 groups. It's not, you can't microwave discipleship. You can't microwave growing in Christ. Jesus Christ took three plus years with 12 people. 12 people. Jeez, you're Jesus. You walked on water. Can't you disciple more than 12? He's like, no. I can, I can do 12. And I can get real personal with three. Peter, James, and John. I can really walk with them. We can go even deeper. So I study, we study as a church, the life of Christ. I don't see Jesus teaching in the classroom much, though I love to learn, and I, and I love that. I just don't see him doing it. I don't see Jesus telling him, hey, get out your paper and fill out some blanks. Put, you know, now you're a member of the church. Your life won't change unless you do something different, but you can say you're a member. Who cares? If you're saved and this is your church home, you're a member. Congratulations. I can tell you that straight here. Our membership, our discipleship is groups. Two of them. A life group is like the twelve. We have those all over the place. You can see them online. That You come and go. You can jump in those and you get in the word of God. You do life together. You pray for each other. That's what this woman who lost her husband, she's a part of that. And her life group wraps around her and loved her. That's the power of the church. As church grows, the, you, you want the pastor doing everything? You don't want that. That church will not be healthy. And I'll need a lot of medication. So it, it won't be good. So, But when the body ministers to the body. So life groups... You can get in those right now. I pray you do if you're not. Purpose group, that's the three. That's the Peter, James, and John. They're a little different. They're, for, they're not for the majority. They're for the minority. And you may not be ready for that yet, and that's okay. I'm not in it for the short haul. I'm in it for the long haul. I'm not in it to microwave it. I'm in it for the slow cooker. Because those are the lives that... See, we get fixed, fixated on 15 minutes of fame. But we don't celebrate enough 30 years of faithfulness. That's what I want to celebrate. 15 minutes comes and goes, I want 30 years of faithfulness. So purpose groups start every September, two months. And that's, that's, that's four people together. You know what they're doing? They're in the word daily, non-negotiable. You might miss a day, but then you, then you do two chapters the next day. And they're reading through the entire New Testament. And they're reading through Psalm. And they're reading through Proverbs. And they're not just reading it. They're applying it to their lives. And they're holding each other accountable. And they're setting action items because they know that they need to be forced sometimes to change and uncomfortable. And iron sharpens iron. And it's one year. Closed group, four people. And then the next year, those three that are in with that one leader, they're called to do the same. Now you go find your three and you do it. The power of multiplication. It's a slow process. Jesus took three plus years for 12 people. I'm telling you. So, so life groups, you can jump in anytime. Purpose groups, Pray about both. And if you're interested in either, write it down on your card. Life group, purpose group. We'll 
follow up with you. But that's the discipleship process. Do it because that's how Jesus did it. Jesus walked with them. Jesus did life. Hey, come follow me. It's in the scripture. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's what we do. That's what we do. And it's not sexy. It's hard. It's day in and day out. But that's, that's how it's done. And we want, we want the quick and we want the microwave. But I'm telling you, that isn't the answer. That's not what Jesus said. So, so and by the way, the daily thing, Remember the manna in the desert when you talk about the, the Old Testament and the Israelites? The manna, Jesus, or, or God provided daily. It, it floated down this unknown substance. Once it, in the evening, it would float down. In the morning, there it was on the ground. There it was. But, but God only provided enough for a day. Why? Because God wanted them to trust him. God said, I don't want to give you more today. Because if I give you for a week, you won't come to me. The only time you'll come to me is next Sunday. If the only time you're seeking God is Sunday, you're going backwards in your walk with Jesus. I promise you. God said, no, I'll give it to you for a day. You'll rely on me. You'll get freaked out. You'll pray to me. Numbers will go up, right? Just 12 to 16 to 20. You see, he knows. Every day. They, 40 years they wandered in the desert. I don't know the exact days, but it's probably close to 15,000 days. And not one example can I read in God's word where they, where they went hungry and they didn't eat that day. They starved that day. No, no, no. God provided every day. And God is so cool because God, if you don't know what the Ark of the Covenant was in the Old Testament, it was like this chest that they would carry with them. And God, like his presence would hover over on this Ark of the, the, this chest. And, and God would guide them through the desert. And in the chest, in the Ark of the Covenant, there were some items. One was the Ten Commandments. Pretty big deal. One was the staff of Moses' brother, Aaron, a priest. The other article, a jar of bread. A jar of manna, to be specific. Why? Why, God? Why do we need a jar of the bread that just goes bad after a day? Because you'll remember. Because you're going to struggle. Because you're going to lose, you're, you're going to, your, your faith is going to wander. Your trust is going to um, subside. And you'll look at the manna, you'll look at the bread, and you'll be like, oh, that's right. God. Hey, guys, gals, if God, look at it. If God provided for us yesterday, he'll provide for us today. Like, if God did it then... He'll certainly do it again. And I'm telling somebody in the room, if God today got you this far, guess what? He will see you through to the end. Do you believe it? You got to step in faith and believe. My jar of manna, my God is with me. I don't see the miracle today, but you know what? He's been faithful. And I don't know, I don't know about you, but I do lose trust. Even as your pastor. Some days I'm like, God, I prepare messages, I get to meet with people, I get to raise up leaders. What if on Monday, I'm sitting there, and I don't have anything to say for the next weekend? Now, some of you laugh because you're like, I can't imagine that dude never having nothing to say. Well, keep your comments to yourself. So, um, but, I, like, God, what, worse yet, what if, what if there's no need for me as a pastor? What if there's no need? I said that to a friend of mine who was a pastor, and he said, Monty, think about what you just said. If there's no need for you or for me, well, that would mean everybody's got it all figured out. Everybody is loving God and loving others perfectly. Everybody is living their purpose. Everybody, nobody has any problem. And as, as he's talking, I'm kind of giggling. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I probably have the most secure job in the world, actually. So I felt pretty good about it. Here's an easy way to trust God. 
if you're struggling with trusting God. If you're struggling in an area of life, you're like, God, I don't know if you're there. God, I don't feel you. God, I don't sense you. God, I don't know. Remember what he's done for you. You're here today. You're watching today. Remember what he did for you yesterday. Or better yet, remember what he did on that last struggle that you went through. The breakup. The time you got fired. The time that your friend left you. Remember, see, God got you through that, didn't he? He did. Oh, it's not saying it doesn't hurt, but God got you through it. Remember what he's done in the past. I just, by the way, manna in the Old Testament, that bread, it's way different than the bread of life. The manna, this temporary substance that fell from the sky, it was for the Jewish nation. It was for the Israelites. Jesus, here's good news for you. Jesus came for all people. Say all. Yeah, that includes you. Manna, manna would actually, remember what I said? It would be good for a day and then it would go bad? Well, Jesus, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what the word of God says. Manna, if you eat the manna, if, when the Jews ate the manna, guess what? They would be hungry again. But Jesus said in the word of God, you come to me, you will never be hungry again. You believe in me, you will never thirst again. I'm telling somebody, there is no comparison. Jesus is the bread of life. He's what you need. He's what I need. He is what we need. He is it. Jesus. To live a fulfilled life, we need the bread we need the word. They go together. You can't separate the word and the bread. That's impossible. So we need the word. And we need it daily. Just like we need our daily bread. It seems like we prayed that somewhere before. Give us today our daily bread. Daily. Daily. John, I told you earlier, his gospel's unique. Something else besides the I am statements and the, the certain miracles that maybe aren't included in the other gospels that make it unique is the word life. Say life. It's a big word. John uses it in the context. He'll talk, he talked about abundant life. He talked about a fulfilled life. He talks about the bread of life. In fact, in the gospel of John, he uses the word life in those contexts like over 36 times. I want to I ask John, John, why do you keep referring to life? You need the bread of life. You need the abundant life. You need this life. John, it's almost like you're insinuating that we're dead. And I think he would nod his head. Why would he insist that we need life so much? Listen to me. When I was in my drug addiction... Was I lost? Absolutely. Was I, was I sick? <laughs> Mentally, physically? Yes. But above all, I was dead. Dead. Dead in my sin. Dead in myself. That's the best description. But then Jesus, Jesus, th th this life that he offers, new life in Christ, Sometimes I think we get it wrong. New life in Christ is not about like resuscitating someone. It is about resurrecting someone. It's not about making bad people good. It's about literally like bringing dead people back to life. This is what he are, the bread of life.
Mm. So, remember how Jesus said, I came down. The bread of life came down. I came down. Aren't you grateful? I mean, aren't you grateful that, that, that God, the God who created the cosmos, the universe, the gal, everything, this personal God who is in love with you, like you're his prized creation if you didn't know. This God sends the bread of life, his son, down. You need to go down. Like, I'm so grateful that God just didn't declare his love. Hey, I love you guys. You're messed up. You'll be all right. No, no, no. He didn't declare it. He sent Jesus down. Go down. They don't need God around them right now. They need God with them. And Jesus, the bread of life comes down. God is with you. Oh my God, God's with you. Even when you leave here, I know it feels good here, but even when you leave here, God's with you. I don't feel him. Your faith isn't based on a feeling. It's based on the Father. God is with you. Like God is with you. The marriage is that's crumbling. The marriage that is like you, you, you're worried, you're scared. God's with you in the marriage. On the other hand, God's with you in the singleness. God is with you in the breakup. He's with you in the struggle. God is with you in the sadness. God is with you in the pain. God is with you in the addiction. God is with you in the depression. God is with you in the hurt. And because God is with you, there is hope. We keep looking for more answers. We don't need more answers. We need Jesus. That's who we need. That's who we need. We're going to have communion in just a minute. Let me set it up. Communion, we celebrate the bread of life. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. God's always given me, seems like revelations. Go figure. A revelation. That's what he'll do when you open his word. The Jewish people in the Old Testament, did they need to do anything for the manna to fall? Like, did they need to do anything? Well, God provided it. It's not like they forced him to do it. He did it. So for the manna to sustain them, fuel them, help them, nourish them, did they have to do anything? Well, God just provided it. God's a provider. He did. But back to the question, did they have to do anything? The answer is yes. They actually had to get up in the morning, bend over, scoop down, and eat. If they don't do that, they're dead earlier than when they died. God provides the bread of life from heaven. Do we have to do anything? Well, no. God so loved the world he gave. He provided his son Jesus, the bread of life. Well, if we don't bend down, scoop down, and eat, the bread of life is for all people. Understand that. All people will not eat the bread of life. Most won't. You, you, i got to earn my salvation? No, no, no. It's provided for you. God so loved the world, he gave the bread of life. You didn't do that. He did it. You do have to kind of take it. You, you do have to, like, 
put some effort in, reach down and take it. But it's a free gift. I know. No one's saying it's not a gift. It's provided for you. That's a gift. The manna was a gift. Jesus was a gift. If you don't take it, which most won't, it won't benefit you. You will die. And there is a spiritual death. One you don't want, and one you do. The other one's not even death. One's life. It's my biggest, I think it's my biggest burden in life is to help people understand the gospel. Jesus Christ died on a cross. It's unbelievable. I also put myself in the context because I feel so worthless and I felt so worthless at times. I'm like, Jesus, why would you die for me? I don't get it. Like, I'm not. And Jesus did it. He did it for you too. So he dies on a cross. The bread of life is dead. But what happens three days later was the key. We celebrate it all the time at Meadows Church. It's, it's a bigger miracle than the bread and the loaves. It's a bigger miracle than Jesus tap dancing across a lake. A bigger miracle than any of those things. See, the greatest miracle in history, you want to talk freedom? The greatest miracle in history is when the bread of life, who was dead, dead as dead could be, brought himself back to life. The bread of life rose. It's like they put yeast in it. He's alive. And because Jesus is alive, you and I can eat the bread. We can live forever. I want that for you. A lot of people just believe. I believe there's bread on the ground. I'm looking at it. I believe. I know you believe it. Have you, have you, have you, have you got down to scoop it up and ate it? That's my question. I believed in the bread of life all my life. I don't care what anybody tells me. I believed in Jesus at 25 years old and no one's going to talk me out of it. I was not saved. How do you know that? <laughs> uh, look at my life. I was not following Jesus. I'll say it again. Does the devil believe in God? Does the devil believe in Jesus? Yes. Is the devil following Jesus? He wants you to believe and come to him and take him in. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, anyone who believes in me, anyone who calls on my name will be saved. When you ask Jesus, you believe in him and you ask him to come into you and make you new, you're, you're taking in the bread of life. Believe. And you'll know it. It'll change you. Maybe not immediately, but it will eventually. You can't receive Jesus and not change. So I'll tell you, if you've been walking with Christ, you think, for like two, three years, four years, and your life hasn't changed, the Holy Spirit's not in you. I'll just tell you. It's not. He's not. I love you too much not to tell you that. So today's your day to, to surrender and say, God, I, my life has gone downhill, not uphill. I, my life is not changing. I'm a mess. It has not changed. There is no evidence of fruit. And I want to surrender my life. I don't care if you're online watching right now. Write down, I want Jesus. I don't, write it. Type it. In the room, mark it on your card. Just do it. God forbid that you leave here and not know how to eat the bread of life forever. A man who was 60 yesterday was alive the day before. Today he's dead. This is, this is the biggest deal in the world. I'm talking spiritual freedom. So before we do communion I want to thank God well thank him for what the first miracle I brought to your attention today was feeding 15-20,000 people on a hillside 
what gets me about the story isn't the miracle. It's amazing, don't get me wrong. It isn't the fact that Jesus organized all these people to sit in these... That, that's amazing. That they had 12 baskets of food left over. That's amazing. Here's what gets me. Before the miracle ever happened, the Bible says, and I only know this because I was in the Word of God, Jesus broke it, the pieces, that the happy meal, and he gives God glory and thanks for it. Jesus, you don't have nothing. That's enough for maybe Peter. He's kind of a pig. He'll probably eat the whole thing. You don't have anything. But you're up there in front of all the people. You're going to embarrass yourself. Jesus is like, quiet. I got to thank the God for what I have and what he's given me. He thanks God in advance. Some of you, I said it in the beginning, you're waiting for God to move. You're waiting for the miracle. You're praying for it and everything. Maybe you need to thank him in advance. Maybe God is saying right now, I wonder if we can do that. Like we can thank God before the miracle happens. We, like, like right now, you give God praise before you see it happen. Before the healing comes. Before the job. Before the marriage is restored. Would you give God an offering of praise right now? And know that when you offer him what you have, he will give you so much more. That's what, that's right. Father, we, come, we thank you for your word and your truth. God, we're going to celebrate communion. As we celebrate, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit continues to move throughout the room and throughout us and our hearts. The most important part of this message will be what happens after the message. So church, again, communion, as they, the ushers bring the elements up, the bread signifies the bread of life dead for you and then alive for you the drink represents the blood blood that doesn't stain but blood that cleanses blood that <laughs> some a woman shared with me last week and i've heard this before but it was such a great reminder she said monty or she said pastor i love that when they speared jesus on the cross and blood and water both flow out and you know what that means don't you and she said that means that Jesus died of a broken heart because the, the signal of water and blood both coming out represents, I forget the technical term, but it is like the heart burst. Jesus dies of a broken heart. The love, the love that Jesus has for you, if you really comprehended it, it would blow you away. I think we would fall on our face and stay there for days if we truly understood the love. God, he loves you. So this is where we remember the love of Jesus. So in about 30 seconds, I'm going to jump down here next to Rachel, and, and you're going to come up, and you can just come one row at a time, front to back, and just come through the center aisle. And, and prayer team in the room, I want, if we can, the prayer team, come up right there on, on both sides. Because here's what I'm saying, church. I don't want this to be ritualistic. We don't do communion every week. I don't want to because I don't want it to be like, oh, this is next, and this is next. No, no, I don't want to go through the motions. This is... Too beautiful for that. The Holy Spirit's going to lead some of you for prayer. Some of you are going to want it right after communion. And the prayer team will be waiting to pray with you. Come on up, prayer team. Don't hesitate. I want you up here. And, and if, if they're full and you walk by, we're going to be worshiping in song as well during this. So sit back down, worship, and then come back after the song and pray. Don't leave here if you need prayer. And P.S. You need prayer. I do too. 
If you're not a believer, if you've never called on the name of Jesus and that's not, you're not ready for that step right now, I love you. God loves you. Thank you so much for being here. Please come back and let us keep loving you. The, the, you don't need to worry about communion. You can just sit and listen to music or whatever. I'm just glad you're here. If you have surrendered your life to Christ, let us know on the card and, and then come forward for communion. So let me pray one more time and then you guys can come forward and we'll take the bread and the drink and then stay for prayer, worship and song. Let's watch what God does. Father, your word and your truth, <laughs> boy, does it transcend. God, I thank you so much for making the statement 2,000 years ago that you are the bread of life. Nothing else will satisfy us. Nothing else can do it. Not forever. Not like you. Only you. God, as much as I love peanut butter party, it's only for a minute, and then it's gone. You, well, you're forever. We want the bread forever. God, I pray for people making decisions in the room today, online today, moving our hearts. Give us the courage to do what we're called to do. God, for people that need prayer, I pray that they'll pray with somebody. I don't even care. Me, prayer team, neighbor, I don't care. They just, they just need prayer. We need each other. We do life together, God. We're broken. We're messed up. You know that. You see what we do, how we think. Thank you for coming for messed up, broken people like us. Thank you for Meadows being a church where it's okay to not be okay. And here's the thing. When we take the bread of life, we don't have to be not okay because you bring dead things like me and others back to life. Resurrect us today, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray and the church says, amen.